Now, today we will begin to unpack what Jesus said will help you never worry about money again. I know you're thinking, no way, no way. In two weeks, I'm telling you, this week and next week, you'll never worry about money again. Now, I shared with you last week that I've been praying through the 3,000 prayer request cards that you turned in, and I've been praying by name and by request uh, through them since the beginning of the year. This past week, I prayed through another 150 of those prayer request cards, and so I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost done. And like I shared with you last week, the number one issue that is causing us concern, causing you concern for what you're asking for prayer is financial stress. Over and over, people are asking for me to pray for their finances. And so that's why I decided to do this series. Now, if you remember, also I said last week, we looked at a survey that said that worries about money is the number one cause for stress in Americans, and that 75% of all Americans say they are stressed about their finances. And so I started thinking, why are we so stressed? Why are we so worried? We live in one of the wealthiest nations in human history. And yet we still worry so much about money. What, what is it? I believe it's the myth of more. We live with this psyche that says, you know, for me to be happy, I just need a little more. If I only had more, got more, made more, then I'd be happy. So let me show you what I'm talking about. How much do you think you need to make to be happy? All right. How, how much do you make right now? All right, you got it? How much do you think you need to make to be happy and to, to, to be stress-free? All right, you got it? So there's an organization called the Roper Organization that asked Americans that question. And so they asked Americans earning between 15 and 30,000 how much more they would need to make to be happy and stress-free. And so the majority of those in that bracket said that they would need to make between 50 and 60,000 to be stress-free and happy, all right? Almost double what they currently make. So then the same organization asked Americans who made between 50 and 60,000, supposedly the happy stress-free group, right? How much they, were they happy with their finances and how much more they would need to make to be happy? And over half of them said they would have to make $125,000 a year to be happy. That's almost three times as much as they make. Americans are influenced by the myth of more. And so I want you to hear me on this. Worry about money is not about how much you make. I'm going to say it again. Worry about money is not about how much you make. Because no matter how much you make, there's a certain perspective that we can have on our finances that will always leave us feeling anxious and like we need more. There's, there's something in the American psyche, in our whole culture that whispers to us, you just need a little more. Go ahead and buy it. It'll make you happy. You know what I'm talking about? The myth of more drives us to buy what we don't need with money we don't have, and we end up with lots of stuff, lots of debt, and lots of stress. The myth of more keeps us from thriving in life. City church exists so that all people can believe and thrive in Christ. And the blessed life is a key part of thriving. 
And if you remember, we said last week, the blessed light is about, life is about having God's support. But we said the blessed life is not about trying to get God on our side. The blessed, the blessed life is about us getting on God's side so that we have his support. And if you remember, we pictured uh, the blessed life having God's support like the flow of a powerful river. The blessed life is like the powerful flow of a river. Depending on where you position yourself and what direction you're going, you can either be going against the flow or you can be experiencing the power of the flow. God's support is like the flow of a river. And here's the deal. You don't control the flow. But if you get into the flow, you can experience the power of the flow. And the blessed life is not about trying to get God to redirect his flow to you. It's about you getting into the flow that is already moving. And I, I feel like I want to clarify something about the blessed life. Uh, the blessed life is not just about money, all right? We're focusing on what Jesus said about the blessed life and our finances. But it's, it's actually a bigger subject than that. It's about aligning our hearts with God's heart. When we align our hearts with God's heart, we have his support. And so when Jesus taught about the blessed life, he summarized his whole teaching with this one focus to help us get into God's flow. This is uh, Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Getting into God's flow is about seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first. It's about getting our hearts aligned with God's heart. And if you go back and look at this full teaching, Jesus addressed issues like dealing with our pride and anger and lust and resentment and unforgiveness. He's trying to get our hearts aligned with God's heart. But then he turned and addressed how to get our hearts aligned with God's heart related to our finances. Now, you may not know this, but Jesus said more about money than any other single subject. More than about salvation, more than about eternal life, Jesus addressed money. And so we're going to unpack a passage where Jesus teaches us how to view and use money so we will never worry about money again. You ready? This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus is speaking and he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so let, let's make sure we understand what Jesus is saying here and what he's not saying here. Jesus is not saying don't save money. When he says don't store uh, treasures on earth, he's not saying don't save money. In other biblical passages, the scriptures talk about the wisdom of saving money for difficult times. The Bible talks about ordering your finances where you can help family members in crises and where you can be compassionate toward the poor. Jesus is not talking about saving here. He's, he's getting us to focus on what we trust. 
He's dealing with a trust issue. Because Jesus showed us that what we treasure, what we trust for security and happiness determines how we feel. For wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What you treasure reveals what you trust. So money worries are not about how much you make. Money worries are about what you trust. What you trust determines how you feel. All right? So we're going to deal with what you're trusting, not your finances. Now, I've seen people trust things to make them happy. And this misguided kind of trust got to me. And this is how I did, this is how I stored up treasures in my life. I, I did it with debt, with credit cards. And this is what would happen. I would think, you know, I mean, I'm a pastor. I deserve some good stuff. And so, you know, if I got this TV, that would make me happy. Or if I went on this vacation, that would make me happy. Or if I got this computer, that would make me happy. And I get that stuff, or I go on the vacation, I put it on credit cards, and then I'd add all of the stress that comes with credit card debt. Have you ever thought things like that? Like if I just got that car, or this house, or those power tools, or that, that, those golf clubs, or those clothes, or these shoes, or this furniture, or that 4K TV with the Bose surround sound system, with the DirecTV, full package with NFL and NBA, then I would just be happy. Come on, I'm not the only one. And then what happens when you get it? You have more, but you're still not happy because you think, I must still need more. It's the myth of more. Now, don't get me wrong. I did like the stuff. I did like the vacations. But I didn't like all of the stress that the debt brought my way. So how does putting trust in treasures cause us to feel stress? So let's get back to Jesus' teaching. I mean, he talked about vermin and moths and, and thieves. What was all of that about? All right, that was back in, in uh, Matthew uh, 6, 19. What was that all about? Well, in, in Jesus' day, people didn't have banks where you would like take currency and deposit it in a bank where they would keep it safe. So in their day, people would gather, uh, their, their wealth was through clothing and food and gold actual goal. And so Jesus said the problem with trusting those things is that moths can eat the clothing, vermin can eat the food, and thieves can break into your house and steal the gold. So what was Jesus' main point? His main point was don't trust in money, you know, because that was their money. The clothing and the food and the gold was their money. Jesus was saying, don't trust in money because money is ultimately not trustworthy. And if you put your trust in money, you will feel stress and worry. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you trust determines how you feel. Instead, Jesus taught us to trust God by storing treasures in heaven. And if you go and look at this whole teaching, Jesus said that we store treasures in heaven by praying, by fasting, by doing good deeds, by loving others, especially the hard to love, by forgiving others, and by giving. And in this context where Jesus is talking about giving, he means giving to the movement he began called the church. And that act of faith 
ends up impacting how we feel. When we move our lives and our money into God's flow, we feel peace because we are putting our trust in the one who is ultimately trustworthy. Sounds pretty simple, right? So why do we struggle to trust God with our finances? Jesus continues. This is verse 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. <clears throat> Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, here Jesus asserted that the root issue behind worries about money is a divided heart. And he said, you cannot serve both God and money because you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot have two ma masters. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I suspect for most of us, the real issue is not whether we will serve God or money, right? I mean, because most of us, I mean, the reason we're at church or watching this service is because we believe in God and, and we want to have his blessing. And so we want to serve him, you know, in some way. And so I suspect for most of us, the, the, the temptation is not, are we going to serve God or money? It's that we try to serve both God and money. And when you try to do that, you end up with two masters and you can't have it. And you're always going to fudge toward one. And that's why Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. And so it doesn't work because when you serve money, you will worry and you will feel the weight because when money is your master, that is what he gives you. He gives you anxiety because money is not trustworthy. So what are some signs? What are some signs that money might be your master? If you determine your self-worth based on your home or your salary or a car, Money might be your master. If you pursue money to the neglect of relationships with God and with others, money might be your master. If you sacrifice moral values to get your money, if you buy stuff just to feel good, if you worry about money or investments, money might be your master. And if money is your master, you will neglect God's kingdom and the poor. If God is your master, you serve God and you use money. There's nothing wrong with money. But if money is your master, you serve money and you use God. You use God when you try to get him to help you out. What you serve is your master. And your master determines how you feel. If you serve money, you will feel anxious. You will worry. But if you will serve God, he will give you peace no matter what you make because God himself is ultimately trustworthy. Now, I want you to feel the peace that comes when you truly serve God in the area of your finances. I'm, I'm for you. And so I want to go back to what Jesus said was the key to getting into God's flow. Okay? This is Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all of these things will be given to you as well. Now, in this context, Jesus is talking about seeking God's kingdom first with your money. Then what are all of these things that are going to be given to us? If you go back and you look at the passage, it's all of your needs. Okay? Jesus is saying, if you will seek God's kingdom first with your finances, God will take care of all of your needs. It will be given to you. By whom? I mean, did you notice it says it will be given to you? By whom? By God. How many of my needs? Jesus said, all your needs. Not some, all. And here's what Jesus is promising. If you seek God's kingdom first, he'll seek yours. That's God's flow. That is the blessed life. And so for the rest of our time, I want to present a plan to help you manage your finances so you get into God's flow and you stop worrying about money. Are you ready? This is the 10-10-80 plan. Can you say 10-10-80 with me? 10-10-80. Give, save, live. First 10, give 10%. You will find the principle of giving away 10% to God's purposes throughout the scriptures. Giving has always been a part of a vital relationship between a believer and God. But it's important to give your 10% with a loving, compassionate heart. I want you to notice what Jesus said about giving 10% or tithing to some religious leaders who just didn't get it. This is Luke eleven forty two. Jesus said, <clears throat> What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus said you should tithe, yes. That's a part of seeking God's kingdom first with your finances. But we must do it with a loving, compassionate heart. How many of you met somebody who gives but they're mean as heck? Okay. Remember, this is about getting your whole heart aligned with God, not just the area of the finances. But it is about all of that. And Jesus promised that the spiritual practice of giving will help you feel right. What you trust determines how you feel. Now, numerous psychological studies have shown the benefits of giving. In fact, I read one report that found that people who gave away money to worthy causes had higher rates of good feelings and an increased sense of meaning and significance in their own lives. Isn't that intriguing? By giving away money. What if the God of the universe wired us to feel good when we give money away? I believe you ought to give away 10% to God's kingdom because it's good for you it's good for your relationship with God, and it's good for your financial health. And I'm asking you to consider giving your 10% to City Church because of what we do to continue Jesus' movement. Now, you know, at City Church, we say that we are a safe community of grace where anyone, no matter what they've done, no matter how far away they feel, can feel welcome to come and explore our faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what they believe, they're all welcome. And if that's you, I want you to know you really are welcome here. We encourage you to explore our faith in Jesus Christ, and this teaching is, is a part of what we believe. 
because Jesus taught us this. But I want you to know this is a safe place, and we say that. And our hope is that whether, whether people are skeptics or whether they're spiritual investigators, wherever they are in their journey, that one day they will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so I, I wanted to know, like, how we're doing with that. And so I went to the person who is our data uh, base manager, and I asked her to go into our system and find out, just over the past 10 years, how many people have put their faith in Jesus Christ and expressed their faith through baptism. And she found that it was 5,405 people who have expressed their faith in Christ since 2007. That's over 5,000 people who have become children of God, whose sins have been forgiven, who know that their destiny is heaven and have eternal life and have God's spirit within them. And I think that's pretty awesome. And you guys play a key role in that because you help us create this grace culture where people feel welcome to explore our faith. We have created a grace culture where all people can believe and thrive in Christ. And that matters. And so I do ask you to consider giving your 10% here. But if you don't give it here, then find a church that is doing a good job continuing Jesus' movement well and give your 10% there. I believe it's that important for your relationship with God and for your financial health. And if you would say, oh, Brent, you don't know about my finances, man, they're a wreck. Okay, got it. If starting out by giving 10% 10 sounds too scary, then pick a percentage and start. Maybe 5% or maybe 3%. But somewhere you got to start, uh, you got to commit to some percentage. And then what I encourage you to do, because I know it's a step of faith, I, I want you to test God for 60 days and see what happens. So I'm going to quote a uh, pastor and best-selling author, Andy Stanley, what he says about this very ask that I'm making. He says, it's important to start somewhere, anywhere, because until you try it, you won't put yourself in a position to experience the intervention of the creator of all economy as he begins to move in the area of your finances. Once you encounter him firsthand, your motivation will skyrocket. Andy Stanley's talking about the flow. It takes a step of faith. If you're not in the flow, it takes a step of faith to get into the flow. 10, 10, 80. Give 10% then save 10%. When you save for emergencies, you release yourself from the stress that comes from living on the edge all the time. And this one, I really do know about. For most of my adult life, I lived on the edge financially, and this is what I mean by that. I didn't have much money in my savings, and whenever I'd get a raise, this is what I did, I'm being honest, I would go out and buy stuff where I could afford that amount of monthly payment with my raise, right? So I'd, I'd get a raise and I'd go commit the raise to more stuff, but I never would increase my savings. And so whenever I had an emergency take place, I'd have to pull out my credit cards and put it on credit cards. And I just want to say that's a terrible plan. It left me with a lot of stress, anxiety about my monies. Saving 10% regularly will prepare you for the future and for the inevitable emergencies that will come your way. 10, 10, 80. Give 10%, save 10%, and then 
live on 80%. And so here's what that means. That means living beneath your means, <laughs> right? And so you might say, well, pa okay, pastor, how do I do that? How do I get from here to there? Because I'm going to help you. To living above your means to living beneath your means. Okay, first, first of all, stop buying stuff with money you don't have. Okay? And then downsize where, you're, where you can, including your house. If you're house poor, you may have to downsize. That's what people have to do. Sell your crap. You know what I'm talking about. The stuff that's filling your garage so you can't even park your cars in your own garage. Sell your crap and get out of stupid debt. If you do that, you'll, you'll be able to live beneath your knees. Now, and I also think, okay, it does mean that, that you have to address the core issues that feed the myth of more within you. And so next week, that's what we're going to focus on. The core issue that Jesus said causes us to make unwise decisions and leaves us anxious and worrying about money. So we're going to unpack that next week. So don't miss it. But I think it also means live, like living uh, on 80%. It means you have to have a plan. And can I just say that if you are stressed about money, then whatever plan you have right now is not working. Can we agree with that? All right. Thank you. Somebody agreed with me about that. Okay. And that's where Barbara and I, Barbara and I got to the point where we realized we were both anxious about our money. And that meant that whatever plan we were on was not working. And so we went through the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University plan that our church offers. And it changed our financial lives. And it changed our worry, you know, factor. I mean, I don't know what Dave else to call it. And, uh, and if, if you need a plan, our church is going to be offering the FPU program again this summer, starting in June. You can sign up for it uh, out in the plaza. But whatever you do, start somewhere. Get into God's flow. And I, I'm saying this to you because I'm for you. I am for you. And more importantly, God is for you. And if you will get into his flow, you will experience the power of God's flow. Now, some of you know, a, a few years ago, I had a serious health issue that became a financial issue. Uh, one night, Barbara and I were watching TV, and I got to where I couldn't talk. I couldn't make my mouth move. And so she took me to the emergency room, and they, they diagnosed me with a TIA, a, a mini stroke, and they found a hole in my heart that, that caused it, so I, it required surgery. And, uh, and so I quickly, you know, got to that maximum out of pocket, you know, for my health insurance, which was, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And then this past year, my wife had to go to the hospital three times for a serious uh, medical condition. And we reached our maximum out of pocket expenses with her illness as well. And so two out of the last three years, we've reached our maximum <laughs> You know, out-of-pocket expenses, which is, for me is a lot of money. But because we got into the flow, because we saved up money and got out of stupid debt, and we 
we received an unexpected, generous gift. We were able to cover all of our expenses, pay cash. I did, you know, normally what I would have done before is I would have just put it all on credit cards and tried to figure it out. We were able to pay it all. Get into God's flow. You will feel better. And trusting God may, will make your heart feel better. And uh, that's really my hope for you. Give, save, live. Let's pray. Lord, I, I really do love the people you've entrusted to my care. And uh, to, to the best of my abilities, I've tried to unpack your teachings that will set them free in the area of their finances. And so I pray, Lord, for, for each person. What, it, what is the next step of faith that they need to take today, this week, to get into the, your flow? Maybe right now you would speak to them. Just bring, bring, bring something into their mind. Uh, a decision, a thing to sell, a, a debt to get out. I don't, I don't know. Speak to us, God. Help us as we take steps of faith to get into your flow. And then, Lord, my prayer is as we take those steps of faith that you would bless us and bless our families so that we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.